Hi, this is Lindsay Snyder, owner and president of In-N-Out Burger, and you're listening to From the Heart with Ed Hart. My guest today, as you've heard, is uh, Lindsay Snyder. She has been with In-N-Out since, I believe, 1999. She's born here in Southern California. She has a passion for what she does, and uh, the focus of all of my podcasts has been to talk to people who are leaders and owners and, and really icons in their industry. And the one thing that I've had in common or noticed in common with everyone is just the passion for not only what they do, but where they do it. And so I'm excited today to talk to Lindsay a little bit about her background and how she got started with in and out her family. And uh, we'll, we'll pretty much thread some things in her bio through our interview. But Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. How's your day going today? Uh, thank you for having me and it's going pretty well. Good. So in and out obviously, you know, a lot of people know the story. I'm just going to hit a couple of the highlights that, you know, maybe some may not know. It was founded by your grandparents in 1948. Harry and Esther, I think I saw that Harry was about 35 and Esther was 28. So they were a young married couple. Um, little did they know, or, or what are your thoughts? Did they, if they could look at where in and out is today, um, what do you think their impressions would be? I don't think they had any clue that it would be what it is today. Um, you know, especially my grandfather, cause he, you know, passed away in the seventies. Um, my grandmother got to see, you know, it get pretty big, but um, still, even from um, when she passed it today, I think it's, it's grown, but just, um, I don't know, just the family and the, the things that are still there today, even with how big we are, you know, I think they would just be, um, I think they'd be thrilled. What do you think that their legacy was if they could, if they thought about their legacy much, and I know when we're in the middle of it, we don't probably think too much about our legacy, but what do you think that they would be most proud of as they, if they could look now at the 70 plus year history of in and out what do you think would be the most impressive for them? Um, well, I think they would be different for, probably my grandfather and my grandmother. I think that my grandfather would probably focus on the quality and just say that, you know, we've um, stayed true to putting the highest quality and freshest ingredients in the, in the forefront and not compromise. Sure. And I think my grandmother would be um, echoing that, but also just talking about the people and um, what wonderful people we have and, um, the team that we have that makes it happen and just how um, grateful she would be for them and how we carry on. Can you talk about that a little bit about the people? That was uh, one of the things that strikes me. I mean, probably everyone who's going to listen to this will echo what I'm about to say. And that is when you walk in or well, today when you drive through, we'll talk about the impact of the pandemic here in a little bit. But um, when you drive through or walk into an In-N-Out, the first thing that most people talk about is just the cleanliness of the restaurant, the friendliness of the associates, um, that if you walk into an In-N-Out in Barstow, California, or Burbank, or Fullerton, or wherever, you know you're at In-N-Out just because, you know, the branding is so powerful and positive. What would you say, and I know I'm not asking you to give it away any trade secrets here, obviously, but... Um, from your perspective as the leader of the organization, what is it that you're most maybe not proud of, certainly there, but just what is it about in and out that makes it what it is from your perspective? Oh, well, there's not one thing. <laughs> right, I get that. Um, yeah. 
but I think that, you know, one, just the, the training and the, the focus of just building a team and a family atmosphere. Um, you know, we, we start there, um, you know, with the wonderful people that we're blessed with. And then we, you know, build, build everything from there, you know, focus on quality, you know, order accuracy, um, you know, the speed of service without um, cutting any corners or, you know, you know, I mean, one of the things would be a French fry. I think a lot of places you'd go to, they would serve a French fry that maybe wasn't super hot um, for us. We know if it's sat there that we've got, we've got to get another French fry. It has to be hot. And, um, you know, so I think it's the standards and where the bar is set um, that everyone is aware of. And then just the cleanliness aspect and uh, knowing that, uh, you know, that spotless sparkling environment is an expectation and, you know, and the people, the way we treat people, I think that we've, we've started from the beginning teaching them that the customers are our guests and, you know, um, you're not thinking of a fast food environment. You're thinking of having them over to your house or having them, you know, for a special um, event and, and you're going to treat them that way or knowing that your smile and your service could bring a smile to their day when they're having a tough day. You know, those are all things we, we cover. So. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm driving through or walking into a fast food restaurant when I go into an in and out. That's for sure. It really does feel like I'm, I'm an invited guest into your home. And I think you you hit that spot on. I just, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, as you say that, because that's the impression I get. And it's, it's just that coolest factor. When you tell people I'm going in and out, they're like, Oh man, I wish there was one by me or, Oh, that sounds so good. I was, texting with the president of our university last night and just mentioning that I'd be talking to you today. And the first thing he said is, man, now I want to make an in and out run. It was like 1030 at night. <laughs> like I might join you on that. If we socially could be near each other, we'd probably go do that together. There is a coolness factor about it. And I just, I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Talk to me a little bit about that culture of, of onboarding people. Um, I've known a few young folks who have worked there and people that I work with now who have worked at in and out in the past. And I know the type of character and quality individuals they are. What's the, what's the process like without diving into the weeds, but what's the process overall for, for onboarding and finding the right people who are going to reflect that image and that culture you're after? Uh, well, there's the interview process and there could be multiple interviews and um, you know, I think you've got, um, different managers, second manager, manager that you've got different people that will interview them. And um, so it's really just, you know, kind of checking to see if they have, you know, the in and out culture or the possibility of the in and out culture in them, you know, which is that smile and that, you know, ready to serve and just, um, you know, get busy and be, um, you know, just going because it, it, it can be very, very fast paced. So, um, I've never seen it not be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it can be kind of crazy sometimes when you, when you're getting ready to close and you see a bus pull in and a bunch of people get up like, okay, Uh, we're another hour. (laughs) Here we go. We can do this. So, (laughs) you know, you'll have fewer people and you just power, power it out and you do it. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, we search for 
people that would be a good fit. And then, you know, once they're on, um, you know, there's some videos, we have history videos, we've got videos to kind of help explain the in and out story and um, teach them what it's all about and what we do and, you know, kind of the different jobs that they'll, um, they'll start with. And um, so there's videos for every position and um, it's, it's really kind of fun. There's like a little back room area um, yeah. with videos and um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Sure. We really give them a lot of information, but it's done in a way where it's not, it's not too boring. We try to keep the videos, um, you know, we, we mix it up with different people. Some, we have some history clips in there. We have stuff with my grandparents, my dad, my uncle, um, I'm on there and it's just kind of, um, you know, a way to bring them in, bring them in and make them part of the family. Oh, there you go. You hit right on the word that you hit. I was sitting here saying she's going to say the word family. She's going to say the word family. And then you did. And so that leads me to where I wanted to go. You know that my day job is I run the Center for Family Business at Cal State Fullerton. So the, the, all of the people I talk to, not necessarily everybody on the podcast, uh, in, so to speak, but the clients that I'm talking to throughout the course of every day are family-owned businesses. I've heard you say one-on-one -on -one in conversation with you and from a podium and on many videos that you've been family-owned since 1948 and you always will be. I'm sure the opportunities are presented to you probably pretty regularly to, to opt out of that, but what is it about being a family business that, that um, makes it so powerful for you and makes you say just that, that we will always be in the family? Uh, well, you're right. There are many people that try to get us to uh, yeah. change that course, um, but yeah, for me, there's just no option because um, I don't, I don't know how to say it. I, I just don't look at it as mine to sell in a way because it belonged to my family. It belonged to, you know, my grandmother, my grandfather, my dad, my uncle. And I, and I think with so many things that I do, you know, what would they do? Would they be okay with this? Would they not, you know, and there might be some small things here and there where I could go like, well, my my uncle would be okay with this, but my dad, and my uncle wouldn't. And this, and this, you know, I can go yeah. through all these different things and go, okay, well, there's, there's areas here where I'm going to have to make a decision. But, but when it comes to something like that, it's just a hard no. I just know that they yeah. wouldn't want me to. So that's, that's where it starts. And then of course, the second part for me would, it would just I'd feel like a sellout. Sure. Well, and you, and the, the, what I'm hearing you not say, and it's so powerful to me is that this isn't my business, it's our business. This is our family, it literally is the family. It, it may not be you and a bunch of siblings or parents or kids running it today necessarily, like some family businesses are, but Harry and Esther still own the business is what I'm sort of hearing you say, and I love that. I just love that you have that, that paradigm of the fact that this is our business and it's, the words it's not mine to sell, that's very powerful. Yeah, and I think, you know, honestly, the other part is just, um, you know, when, when I, when I tell people, I'm like, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't mine. This is God's. He could take it anytime he wants, you yeah. know, just trying to keep that in mind. Like, you know, um, you know, I guess that's, that's the other really big checkpoint is just, you know, I don't feel like he would want that either because I feel like this has been placed here for a reason. I'm supposed to, you know, take care of people and I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be a part of this and, that would just be 
Um, I mean, all of the things I could think, all of the reasons I would see why would just be self, almost, you know, selfish or more money or this or that, you know, so it just doesn't make sense with, I guess, with my beliefs and stuff too. Sure. If you were in an area, and I don't know that this area exists on this planet, but let's just assume for a moment it does, and you're the old elevator pitch, and I hate to go there, so, you know, marketing 101, but you're talking with someone, and they don't know what in and out is, and, and they talk with you. How would you, in just a matter of 30 seconds or so, explain to someone what you do? <laughs> um, <laughs> Didn't prepare you for that one, did I? No, it's, well, it's so hard to tell someone what I do because I get mixed into so many different things at work that, um, I don't know. I mean, I will just, I'll give you a very, very <laughs> big overview of just, I think that, um, anything from picking napkin colors at different events and getting a set list of, or a playlist of music um to being in a cover band with all people from in and out and playing at different events uh to you know the daily operations and making different decisions there um you know looking at um our training looking at the workshops that we're going to do for the year what we're going to focus on what we're going to work on with the managers um you know, our burger television videos that go out every month, you know, being on those, um, meeting with different department heads and the VPs and um, just making decisions all week long with um, the various leaders in the company. Um, you know, there's, there's so much, but it's like, it's such a, it's such a widespread of different sure. things. I, I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I do it in a normal way in any yeah. way. <laughs> I know two days are alike. It sounds like what I'm hearing you say too. It's not like you have this job description, a list of duties that you check off because then it just feels like you're just checking the boxes. And, and uh, what impressed me so much when, uh, when Mark Steinis interviewed you at our hall of fame a couple of years ago was you talked so much about culture and the culture that you're creating and some of the events that you do for your associates um, away from work that really struck me as well. Can you talk a little bit about um, that culture? I mean, what is it? What are some of the things yeah. that you do? Culture is such a huge topic that everybody talks about, and uh, and they, I'm sure they'll be talking about it even further after this pandemic. Um, or setting the company culture is so critical for all of us. Talk a little bit about what some of the things are that you do to help set that culture for in and out. Yeah, well, I think that um, part of it, you know, is again in the training, just um, bringing them bringing them in and, you know, helping them to feel like they belong to something because that's how we are here. You know, we are a team, we're a family and we do belong together. You know, we're, um, you will talk to people that have worked for Internet um, for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and they will share that so many of their friends and their best friends all work here too, you know? So um, I think that, you know, we start, from the beginning with the videos and, um, you know, bringing them in, they're working a shift, they're, you know, having fun and they're getting stuff done and they're feeling, um, they're feeling accomplished, but also challenged. And, you know, you, you have so many different things that go through your mind. And then 
before you know it, you're just, you're a part of the family. And so you feel, you feel that. And so from there, you know, it just goes forward. And I think they take, people start to take ownership and believe that they, you know, really are a part of this. And yeah, my store, you hear them say my store, this, my manager, my, my, you know, and there's just a, um, I don't know, you can just feel it. You can feel the culture um, through a lot of the associates. So um, it's, it's a blessing. It's just, it's wonderful. I mean, I love um, being able to connect with them. And so, you know, talking about some of the events and things we have, I think those help um, kind of feed the culture and the family environment because it brings people together. Um, they might be together at a picnic. They might be together at a sporting event. Um, you know, if it's the managers and it's a workshop or it's, um, you know, an offsite meeting, you know, any of, any of those things are bringing them together and we're either deciding to, you know, target a goal and go like, okay, we're going to do this together or it's just completely fun or it's a sport thing where that brings them together in a team in another way. Sure. Um, you know all of those different types of events and meetings just uh, help feed that culture. And I think that, you know, I'm able to be involved with a lot of those events. You know, I don't make every single one, but, um, you know, I kind of rotate through the picnics and, um, you know, I'm at the manager offsite meetings and I get on the phone for the the regional workshops and, um, you know, just being able to connect and for them to kind of hear the vision and hear my heart too. And they'll have me share on certain topics. I think um, it's just kind of neat for us to connect. And I think we've got a great team of VPs that are also very engaged in connecting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And I, I, I'm, I'm hearing you say that you I've heard a lot of different job titles in a family business over the years. Um, one title that really strikes me is chief emotional officer. Another I hear often is director of fun. Another I hear is, you know, there's just so many titles that are not your traditional job titles in a standard corporation. And it sounds like you wear a lot of those. You wear every hat. I mean, you're deeply involved in your foundations and I'd love to talk about those in a moment. I know you're deeply involved and integrated in the culture and, and, uh, I think the, the most well-run family businesses that I see, their employees, or in your case, associates, will feel like they're part of the family. And again, those that I've talked to, friends and family members that have or do work at In-N-Out, have talked so much. It sounds like an In-N-Out commercial here, but it should be, because In-N-Out is just such a, such a powerful brand that people all over the country and the world, just, you know, I keep going back to, back to that word cool, because it really is, it's kind of a, it's a fun place to be, and you just feel, really feel like you're, you're a guest when you're there. So, I appreciate that you've created that. Are there other organizations uh, within or outside your industry that you admire that you kind of maybe not benchmark against, or maybe you do, but that you think of, you know, what is it about what they do that you either have emulated or that you admire? Um, you know, I, I think that we, we share faith with, um, you know, Chick-fil-A. They're, they're also a, a family, um, yeah, the captain. You know, yeah, yeah, they're they're a family with strong values, and um, you know, I've met uh, a couple of the family members, and I think that 
there's a similarity there. There's a lot of things that we could talk about and agree and be like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, do, we do this, we do that, you know. Um, but one thing that was really kind of funny is like, you know, I took some business classes and um, I remember, I think it was an intro to business management. I saw a video and we did a whole thing on Wahoo's fish tacos and mm. I don't like seafood at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, but, on, by the way. But they have great chicken but, tacos. <laughs> yeah, and I was just watching the video, and I was like, wow, this is a really good company. You know, they they really, they take care of their people. They have a great atmosphere. They So I I don't even think I've ever been in one. Uh -huh. But watching the video and just the breakdown and hear the people, um, you know, I kind of admired that. And it was very very strange for me because again, I can't stand seafood. And, right. you know, I kind of had this mentality like, you know, no one does it like in and out and, and you know, I'm, maybe I'm biased, but I, well, I might still stand, yeah. might still stand by that, but there are other great companies out there. And I love, I love to see when people treat their people well and bring them in like family and operate from a place out of the heart rather than for the pockets, you know, rather than filling their pockets, just, you know, filling people's hearts and having a successful business. Yeah, I love that. If you don't know Wayne Lamb at Wahoo's, you should. He's a good close personal friend of mine. And he was actually a guest on our, our podcast a while back as well. And, and he nailed it. And they, it's a very similar mentality of how to treat your people. Uh, we walk into a Wahoo's like, when, you know, we do to, to In-N-Out. And you mentioned Chick-fil-A, similar um, ironic that you went to two other brands that are really probably competitors of yours, but that you talked about how you admire them. I think that says a lot about you and about the type of person you are that, you know, you're, you're not ashamed or, or embarrassed at all to admit that there are other companies out there doing what you do and doing it well. So I appreciate your, your honesty and humility on that. You've talked openly. I, I heard you speak at the Biola graduation a while back. Um, I've seen the video a couple times. I've, like I said before, I've, I've seen your I Am Second video. I've seen you interviewed. Probably not everywhere you have been. It's not like I'm stalking you, Lindsay, but I definitely <laughs> pay attention to where you, you know, when you speak to, to folks and so forth. You've talked very openly about challenges that you've been through. And without diving into what those challenges are, it's up to you. My intention really was more how have those challenges that you've been through in your life, some, you know, victim of circumstance, some self-inflicted, because I think that's how it is with all of us. What have you learned from those challenges that you take with you and that you try to instill now in your four kids? Oh, uh, gosh, there's so, so much. But, um, yeah. you know, I think if I was going to take it into the business aspect and, and apply it, I think that um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm already a people person, but I would say that, you know, before I had a lot more of the, well, you know, I don't know why someone would struggle with that or why are they still doing this or why, you know, and it kind of borderlined on like a self-righteous thing. And it was really just from a lack of understanding and a lack of, um, you know, being in some of those places. And so after everything I've gone through now, my heart and my grace for people is just, um, you know, so much broader. And I think that I have a, a larger capacity um, of looking at the why, why people do things rather than the what. And, um, and that helps me in a lot of ways because, you know, there's times when people are struggling and 
you know, it's like, well, wait, you know, <laughs> let's really, let's really work on yeah. coaching. You know, we focused on coaching for a few years and we still have it in there, but it's, it's just like giving them that chance and coming alongside them and not neglecting the people that are struggling because they don't bring as much to you or, you know, um, have as much to offer you. And I mean, that's the way someone would look at it. You know, they go, Oh, my high performers over here, I'm going to focus on them. But I've shared that it's really, it's the other way around. The ones that um, are struggling need more attention. And, and I think the same would go for children, you know? Um, so whether it's, you know, an associate, a child, someone that's a friend, whatever, just being able to look out um, for someone that is struggling or maybe doesn't believe in themselves or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like looking to find what it is and dealing with the person in the heart of the matter. And I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm really big on that and just caring about um, why people do what they do and not just you know, batting at the flames, but really trying to help them. And for me, like my, my life passion is, is helping people. So, you know, that's a whole separate topic with our ministry yeah. and stuff, but, um, you know, but being able to carry, um, I guess what I've learned from my different, um, pains and, and loss and, you know, mistakes, whatever it is, and, and have that, um, kind of be something to just, keep in my mind when I'm dealing with people and um, that compassion piece, you know? Yeah. And I think that you hit it. The, 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 the challenges that we go through again, like I said, either self-inflicted or otherwise can have quite a, a bit of opposite or, or different impacts on us. We can become judgmental. We can become self-righteous as you mentioned, or as you've chosen, and it is a choice, you've chosen more the empathy and the grace route, which not only as a leader of a, of a large organization like in and out but also as a parent and as, as a spouse. Gosh, the, you know, the, when my wife learned grace, that became one of the best days of my life because I make a lot of mistakes. And, and, and grace is definitely something that we need to extend to each other because none of us is perfect and we make those mistakes. Can you talk a little bit about your faith? I mean, I, we could go two hours or longer on this, and I know faith drives everything you do. But how has how has your faith, especially I know in the in the last couple of decades, I suppose, of your life, it's really gotten more powerful from what I've heard you say. How has your faith gotten you through some of these difficult times, like the pandemic we're in, for example? Now, how do you use your faith to to get you through this time we're in today? Um, I mean, really, it's just the most important for me. It's like you know the purpose of life is, <laughs> you know, why did God put me here? What am I supposed to do? Um, so, you know, being able to connect others to that, to be a light, to be a shoulder, to cry on, to be someone to listen. Now, I, I want to listen, but I will say that that's one of my uh, areas that I'm working on <laughs> because I'm a big talker. It's good that you recognize that. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a big talker and I, uh, <laughs> I'm very opinionated also. So anyway, um, I think that um, just, just focusing on, you know, what God wants in all of these different areas of my life and um, kind of checking back in with him with so many different things, because it can get crazy, you know, you can get going and 
before you know it, you're doing it in your own strength. And then you're like, no wonder I'm stressed out or no wonder I'm <laughs> struggling yeah. or whatever, you know, because I'm mean, instead of him. Yeah. So, um, you know, just kind of slowing down and being able to check back with him and, and, um, let him carry, <laughs> you know, some <laughs> of the weight and, um, you know, but as far as my family, you know, it's, we have my husband and I have a Bible study on Mondays, which has now turned into Zoom. <laughs> so was ours. Uh, one tonight. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, you know my kids, they understand, they know. They're um, my teenagers. You know, I know it's like it gets so crazy when they get to be that age. You're like, okay, like, do they get it? Are they? you know, are they talking to their friends, playing too many games? Are they, you know, it's just, oh my gosh, like the job of a mother is, it's nuts. Like I, every parent out there, you know, we stick together, we got to stick together. It's tough, yeah. especially today. I feel like it's so much harder, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, my faith is what drives me and, um, you know, I, I know spiritual gifts and being able to, Oh, speaking of children, I love like, it. No, this is, just this is the humanity in. of this. Please do what you got to do. Oh. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask how you balance the leading a large organization to being a wife and a mom. Um, oh. <laughs> My son just delivered something to me. He said delivery. Oh, so nice. Cute. I love Aww. it. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah, it, the balance, balancing yeah. it all is, is rough, but I think that I've kind of got into a good pattern, kind of a good groove of just prioritizing everything. And, yeah. you know, my, my assistants, they get it. And, you know, so that's just, it's a lot of planning, you know, sure. a lot, a lot, around a lot you. of People I'm but, know. Yeah. but yeah, no, my, my kids, they take a lot of, a lot of my time and a lot of my energy, <laughs> but you know, my other kids are that giant family of almost 30,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got your, your, your mom of many. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, again, like knowing my, my gifts, knowing what I'm, what I'm good at, what I struggle with and being aware of those things and being able to, you know, just maximize whatever I can bring to the company. Um, and, and, you know, really anywhere, you know, I think that if you end up in any group of people, like you want to bring, you want to offer something for everyone else to benefit from. And so for, for me, I just think like, you know, I want to be used, I want to be used by God, not only, um, you know, at, at work and with my in and out family, with my children, but just in general, in the communities, um, you know, in the different, different places that we get involved and, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that stuff's kind of on my heart all the time. <laughs> awesome. I love that. You're leading me into my last question, but I'm not quite ready to ask you guys. I had a couple more things that I'd like to talk to you about with the time we have left. Um, I asked a few of my friends and family members, if, if they had a chance to interview you, what would be some of the things they'd want to ask? And I'd be doing a disservice to my clients and friends if I didn't ask a couple of these questions. One of them asked me to ask you how, not only the balancing the wife and mom and leading a large organization, but how do you get yourself out of the down moments? We're all human, we all have those. Um, I know the easy answer, not easy, but I, I know you're gonna go to the God place because I do that too, but 
when you get down about maybe, you know, gosh, I'm not getting enough time with the kids or maybe I'm not doing this or I just, you know, our kids will tend to say something that makes us as parents, I have four kids as well. And I know what it's like when one of them can say something and I'll just go, ouch. How do you, how do you snap out of that as a mom? Um, I think I just kind of reprioritize and sometimes it's temporary. Sometimes it's like, okay, I've got to shift some of this stuff off of the calendar and, Mm -hmm. and spend more time with the family just to get everything balanced again and have that harmony. And then, um, and I think that's kind of the, the trick. I mean, my kids, we try to spend time with them and, and be, um, very intentional and we have like we used to have dates with them and go out and do things with them yeah. but, um, those are on hold for a while for all of us right um, yeah well we we basically took hold on just a second I'm sorry sure, of course yeah yeah so right now we we took them uh, for a cruise and of course they wanted to go to In-N-Out, which was really funny. I'm like, are you sure? Yes. <laughs> so we took two one day two another day and they all wanted to go to In-N-Out. So it was, it was hilarious. And actually the two older ones were quite jealous that the younger ones went the day before. I'm like, okay, you'll get your turn tomorrow. You'll get your turn tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you raising the next generation of In-N-Out leaders in, in your family right now? Cause they're talking about, uh, <clears throat> their potential role in the business down the road? I don't know. You know, I wouldn't, I don't pressure them at all. Like I don't put that on them because I want them to be their own people and do what they want to do or feel called to do. Um, I would say that that's probably going to enter their life at some point, but it could be while I'm alive, could be when I'm dead. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I know my oldest son, he seems very interested. And when I ask him, what he wants to do. He says he wants to work it in and out. So um, getting a good role model then for him. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. You talked a little bit about it already, but I'll ask the question too. How do you develop your own personal leadership? I know you mentioned you've taken some business classes, but on an ongoing basis, how do you develop yourself with all the, with all the demands that you have? How do you take time to, and what specifically do you do to develop yourself? Whether it's personally, professionally, spiritually, et cetera. Um, Well, yeah, you know, there's the different classes way back when, and then just really being immersed in the business because I was, um, I think I was 20, 21, somewhere in there when I started sitting in, you know, with the VP meetings and all that. So it's just been something that I've been um, watching, learning from others, um, learning from others' mistakes, mm-hmm. learning from our mistakes, learning from, um, you know, other other companies mistakes I mean it just I don't know just being super aware and engaged I think that um, whether it be our training department and the different books and different things we'll kind of focus on um, uh, it's crazy but honestly like there's been so many times where someone will say oh wow where did you learn that or where did you get that and and it's really something that God just put in my heart. Yeah. And it's crazy because I think that there's a lot of stuff that, you know, he just, he just sets it in there. <laughs> he, yes. just puts it, he gives us what we need when we need it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, his own, his own university just going on. 
Yep. <laughs> He's know, constantly right teaching you, and uh, the key, the, they, they always say when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, and when we're ready, he's there to teach us, that's for sure. Absolutely. How would you describe, I've never met your husband, Sean. Um, I know you guys have founded Army of Love, and I know that you've talked all, already in this interview quite a bit about him. Tell me about Sean. Uh, well, he's very, very loving. He's um, a good father. He's a good husband. He's, um, you know, our first conversation, we talked about how we wanted to serve God and we've had enough of the drunk in our past and want to, just, <laughs> want to just, um, you know, be used and have a family and, um, you know, we, we covered politics in the first conversation we covered um you know him losing a brother me losing my dad to drug addiction and um so we just kind of noticed that we were on the same page with so many different things so in him I really have a best friend you know we're we started off as as best friends and that was different for me relationship wise you know a lot of times it was just like you know I fell it was like infatuation or oh yeah yeah we have yeah. we have all these things in common and then boom we're together but but for him and I it was really um it was different and there was a spiritual um connection from the beginning too we decided to pray for each other and hmm. um so having that and having God um in the middle of our marriage and also being really good friends and getting along well and um having just like-mindedness in so many different ways i think there's there's a verse amos 3 3 it says how can two walk together unless they're agreed and i think that we walk together well because we're agreed the majority of the time yeah. i'm not gonna say yeah we're never no argued. couples perfect yeah you said <laughs> wow this is like the perfect couple here all of a sudden no i i totally get that so yeah and i think that i mean i was married before and, and my wife and i now are coming up on 27 years and you know she's still to this day my best friend and i think that the the successes that we've had in our relationship have been when we, like you said, we pray for each other, we walk side by side together. We don't always see everything eye to eye, just like no couple, you know, no couple sees it that way. But I think when one person feels like they need to rescue the other or be rescued by the other, that's when it gets dangerous because then we're putting our, our trust or our, our, our faith in the person rather than God leading us. And I think that uh, it sounds like that's what you and Sean have figured out early on. You're walking side by side towards a common goal, which is really the key. Right. Right. So I know you founded Army of Love. I know we just have a couple more minutes and I just want to give you an opportunity to talk about in and out Foundation, Slave to Nothing and or Army of Love. If any of those three are, are what you'd like to highlight right now, uh, here's, here's your platform. One of them <laughs> to get to, to do this. Okay. Well, yeah, the in and out Burger Foundation is a foundation started by my uncle, my grandmother, and really my mom was behind it. She was a huge part um, of that getting started. Um, but, uh, that was in the eighties and we've helped, oh my goodness, thousands, hundreds of thousands of children and different organizations. Um, so it's, it's been, it's pretty, uh, pretty big now. I mean, yeah. we have different events. We have a, a golf tournament every year and Sadly, this year, this year, um, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, we had to uh, cancel it, and we still did the auction and stuff, some stuff over um, 
you know, all the technology we have now, we were able to facilitate the auction, but um, we still made a lot of money, which just like touched my heart so much because it was like, oh my gosh, all of these people in this crazy time are still giving. And, um, you know, and it was just, it was, it was pretty, pretty cool because there was um, quite, quite a bit of funds still generated when we didn't even have the event. Um, but we have that and then, yeah, Slave to Nothing um, is our nonprofit, which focuses on two different things, both human trafficking and substance abuse and fighting those. And uh, we have two different events each year. And then we have some other little events that will We'll have some fundraising for those, but um, I've gotten to know Canada. Vince pretty well, and Vince is just—he just love that guy. Yeah, so yeah, it's no, great he's job wonderful. There. Yeah, it's um, it's really special, you know, being able to hit both of those. Um, I mean, it's 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 crazy times, and yeah. seeing how big human trafficking is, and how many deaths from from substance abuse and how many families are affected. And so, you know, me personally having losing my dad and, you know, my husband losing his brother and now having another brother affected by it, it's just, um, you know, that's something that we're very passionate about. And um, I think I mentioned before, but God was the one that really put the human trafficking on my heart. It was just like, it was just like, no, you need to do this too. And I'm okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes the, the driver for why we do things is because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And, you know, we had a little bit of pushback, like, well, you don't, you, you should just focus on one thing. You don't want to have two different things. Organizations don't have two parts like that. It's not mm -hmm. two pronged. And, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, but this is what we're supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> this is what God not gonna say no to So here, we have to do it. Yeah. So um, it's gone really well. And, um, you know, it's growing still still in the early phases really but um but it's going well and i think that there's a lot of people that get behind it because they see how serious both of those issues are Absolutely. and um and the awareness piece too i love being able to put that stuff in the stores and being in so many cities and so many communities letting people see that and it touch them and um you know so they can either get involved or maybe they just become aware and go man you know that family member we have we need to do something we need to help them or <laughs> you know um and then the last one army of love which is nonprofit, which is more like our ministry um that is uh, you know it's it's mostly um started and pivots from the online platform where you know people can either enlist in the army of love and go through um a seven module kind of discipleship course and just learning um lots of different different biblical stuff it's all it's all scriptures all throughout it you know and it's um so going through that um, and then them being able to minister to others once they finish that and being plugged into um, a network of believers. And we kind of call it the church with no walls. Hmm. So, um, and then, you know, having all the people trained up, then others that reach out and need help, then we're able to kind of deploy or send people to help them. And, you know, we have men working with men, working, women working with women. And then, you know, there's just a lot of us that, um, 
know each other or come together. We have a retreat once a year and um, we'll kind of do a two and three in one actually where it's a men's retreat, a women's retreat and a couple's slash singles retreat. So nice. we kind of do all of that in one. So the, the men will be there for one portion and the women show up and you have that overlap and then uh, the men go home and then the women have their part. So it's, it's, um, it's really special because we get, we get deep, you know, I mean, we yeah. go into marital issues, we go into personal issues, you know, if someone's been um, abused, if they've, um, you know, different things they've done that they're still struggling with guilt over. Um, so, you know, talking about the heart, um, that's, that's what we do. I mean, it is like spiritual heart surgery. It's just, <laughs> um, um, that's, that's our focus is You're a busy people. woman. You've yeah, got, you have a lot on your plate, young lady. I'm I'm so impressed with how you balance, you know, the wife, the mom, the leader of In and Out, the driver behind these foundations. I can see why the associates love working for In and Out. Not only having having you as a leader and your team, as you talked about, but feeling like I think this is one of the keys too. And I think when people ask me, you know, my takeaway from this interview and why does In and Out do things so well, I think that the associates feel like they're part of something bigger. They're not just making hamburgers and fries and shakes and so forth, but they they really tend to see that they are part of something. I know that the few times I've driven through and said, hey, you know, throw the change into the slave to nothing, really? And then they, they light up. It's like they don't put it in your face, but they're certainly proud of the fact that they do belong to something bigger than just yeah. a, a food um, organization. So I think that's really cool. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. I'll put yeah. links to the foundations in our show notes as well when we put this up so that people can look at where they can donate or, or you know, give of their time, talent, or treasure. I'm sure that, uh, like most foundations, you're, you're looking for good people doing good things with you. And so that's exciting. So what's yeah. next for in and out What's next for you? What's, what's that <laughs> big thing out there that you're hoping? I know you're expanding. You're well over 300 stores. And as you mentioned, 30,000 plus associates. And and you're, you seem to be growing at the right pace. I know that there are a lot, a lot of people that wish you'd grow faster. I know people in other <laughs> parts of the country wish you'd be there, and I know the reasons why you don't. Um, but what's next? What, what's exciting for you about the future of In-N-Out? Well, the, the exciting part would be going back to normal business. Yeah, back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Although I'm getting kind of used to doing podcasts out of my office at home and Zooming all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I would love to go back. I think that will be huge when everything's back and running normal and um you know, we can really just uh get back to it and do things that we we used to do and that were normal and now we're like, oh my gosh, when can we be in a room full of all these people we love that we work with? You know, it's just so hard. Um so, yeah, aside from that, um you know, we've got a lot of events to catch up on too, because we had to postpone a lot. We didn't want to cancel, you know, a lot of the company events for the associates because it's just such a bummer for them. It's something they look forward to every year. So right. we're like, it's okay, we're just going to reschedule. Yeah, we're just on hold so, a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So that, and then, um, you know, I think for me, I don't have any crazy new plans or ideas that we're um, doing that will there is one new thing, but I can't tell you on here, but I can tell That's you okay. that I can tell you that sometime in June, the beginning, hopefully, um, you'll see it in the stores. Oh, great. Well, wow. Gosh, now I'm excited. To, <laughs> dang it. 
Okay, well, I, I, I won't get the scoop here. I understand. But, uh, <laughs> I will certainly um, be looking for that because I know that change isn't something, and I don't mean this in a negative way, I mean in a very positive way. Um, you're not adapting to and, and acquiescing to the request to, you know, certain things that you just can't do or won't do because it's, you know, it's not in the, in the mission or the, the charter, so to speak, for in and out But I'm eager to see what's coming in June. So we'll yeah. hear this in the next few days. So we'll give well, people a chance to... I can give you a tiny hint. So a tiny okay, hint would be, um, you know, because when we brought hot chocolate, and yeah. they're like something new something different <laughs> it changed and i'm like yeah. and i'm like wait a minute there's a picture right here of somewhere in the i don't know if it was the 50s 60s yeah. or what but there was hot chocolate back you then so i'm back. like, I'm like yeah. i brought it back right exactly. so then um with this this is something that has kind of changed over the years anyway so it's not a it in itself is brand new but it's not. Um, so we're talking menu item, or are we talking? I can't tell. I'm gonna you. dig, Lindsay. I'm gonna <laughs> dig. You you opened it up, girl. I'm going there. <laughs> That's all right. I'll just I'll just call Roger and Vince, and they'll tell me the same thing. I know it. It'll it'll be great, and it's a quality product. I'll tell you that. Of course, you, I would expect nothing less. So. <laughs> couple more things. I, as I looked on your website and as I've talked to some of the executives that I know who work with you and I've talked with you, um, one of the things that I've noticed, these are now these are just Ed Hart's observations here, okay? So I could be out in left field, but this is, if I were to talk legacy of the individuals that have uh, run in and out, I look at uh, your grandparents, Harry and Esther. I, what I pulled from that is just their relentless pursuit of customer loyalty seem to be a major driver and there are a lot of other things too but if i were to pull away a few words to identify their legacy for them i would say the relentless pursuit of customer loyalty for your uncle i would say education and the launch of internet university and it seemed like education was critical for him for your dad i, I read a little bit about processes and systems and just the unwavering quality of the product and i know again all of the people i just mentioned had all of those things as part of their legacy and as I said earlier on in this interview, it's really hard for us right now in the, in the thick of our career to talk about what we hope our legacy will be, but I'm going to do it anyway, because <laughs> I'm the host and I get to ask, and you can just defer like you did on the new menu item, but I, I totally respect that. I, that's okay. We don't have to go there. I'll just tell people I knew about it first, even though I didn't know what it was. What do you hope, Lindsay, that, that your kids or your associates or your friends not the what will people say about your, your funeral. That's pretty cliche. And you know, but what when twenty years from now or thirty years from now, someone's interviewing one of your kids who's running the business, and they add you to that equation of what was most important to Lindsay's legacy. What do you what do you hope they'll say, or what do you think they'll say? Well, I I feel responsible to carry my family's legacies as well. So I think the continuation and being able to live out their passions and make sure that that um, is still intact and that people feel that people feel like you know the things that they each stood for were carried out in in mine and that it would be part of my legacy and also you know for me personally just you know the goal is love for me so um, you know I I love our people I love our customers I am so grateful 
and I feel, of course, have gone through the whole thing of feeling like I don't deserve to be, you know, in this place and take care of <laughs> all of this. But, um, but you at do. the same Nobody time, you have to, it, by the way. Oh, thank you. But I just, I don't know. I guess I, I want, I want God's love to be able to go through me and touch people. So that's, that's a big, big thing for me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Lindsay, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with me today. I know you have a million different things you could be doing, and especially given the situation now and your kids at home and you've got associates and employees and you've got, you know, just so many different things pulling on you. And, and I greatly appreciate you taking the time to be with me today. And I know our listeners will appreciate getting a little bit into the heart of Lindsay Snyder. And so I'll finish unless there's anything else that you'd like to share that I've missed. Um, the name of my podcast, as you know, is From the Heart, because my last name is Heart. We've talked about heart a lot in this podcast. I, I get that you lead from your heart. Um, not that you don't lead from your brain, too. Obviously, you're very intellectual, and then you're making smart decisions. <laughs> but but um, if I were to just ask you, as I ask all my guests, the final question of the podcast, Lindsay Snyder, what's in your heart? Oh, just a lot of gratitude. Um, a lot of gratitude for the amazing people that I work with. Um, wouldn't be able to do it without the strong team that we have and um, the wonderful associates that are helping our customers every day, even, you know, whether it's good times or bad times, I'm just, they're, they're wonderful. They're so, so precious to me mm -hmm. and our customers, of course, because we wouldn't be successful we wouldn't be doing this um if we didn't have that that relationship and that um connection with our customers so just gratitude all around 